Welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Join us every weekday at this time to discuss news, spend time in the Word, and receive answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. And now your host, Richard Case. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, today is guest day, and uh, we're really excited, Kathy. It was, it was guest day is always fun. Good uh, morning, yeah. This is always one of my favorites, and these are two of my favorite people. Yeah. I'm so excited for uh, today. <laughs> and we have uh, Scott and Terry Hitchcock. Uh, they are leaders in our Living Waters ministry. Uh, Scott is uh, uh, been a long-term member. How many years have you been with C12, Scott? About 25. 25 years, and you were kind of at the beginning, right? Yeah, I was uh, the founder's first guinea pig to see if somebody else could start C12 groups. And <laughs> when the Lord blessed it, and when I got a couple of groups up and going, then he went, he started working on finding more people. And so now there's 125 or 130 franchises around the country and about 3,000 members. Yeah. But it was, wow. it, was, it was Buck and I in the beginning. Yep. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and, uh, Scott and Terry been married uh, going on 46 years. Uh, Terry, we we set this up already. Uh, Terry, we we alerted everybody that uh, Terry was a nun. Um, and, uh, so that's going to be that's going to be an interesting story. Uh, of, well, get well if you're a nun, how did you ever get married? And that, well, she that, met me. That ought to be interesting. Um, uh, and so uh, Scott and Terry are just. Uh, Precious, they know how to live life, enjoy life, and uh, are quite funny. And uh, there's a few stories I could tell that uh, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure on the on the uh, podcast we'd actually be able to tell them uh, of uh, of something. But uh, just just to say, life is fun. Uh, and when Linda and Terry get in the same room, uh oh. Uh, yeah. Everyone is entertained. Scott, you know, the rest of us, Scott, and everybody else, we just, we might as well just leave, you know, because that's, <laughs> that's it. You know, it's going to go entertainment plus. Um, uh, absolutely. So uh, we welcome you guys. Uh, we really are excited to have you. Uh, they're out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, tell us, uh, to start with, tell us a little bit about how each of you came, came to know Christ. Okay. Well, um, as you know, I was raised Catholic all my life, went to Catholic schools, was a great experience. And at the end of high school, uh, decided that I wanted to try the vocation of being a nun. And so I entered the Maronite Sisters of Holy Cross, which is a big teaching order, got my degree through their certified university. And um, then uh, we had a system of vows, and for the first six years, you took temporary vows. But for that last seventh year, you had to make a decision whether or not this was final. And to make a very long story short, there's a lot of good stuff. Through in a there. lot of yeah. through a lot of experiences, <laughs> I decided that I could not, in conscience, take in conscience, take those uh, permanent vows. 
And so I made a decision to leave, which was very difficult. And um, my grandmother, while I was in the convent at the age of 60, came to know the Lord. And she had been praying for me to leave the convent. She knew in her heart that it wasn't for me. So I came out of the convent and had no place to live. And so I went to live with her. Oh, and that's sweet. So during that first three months of living with her and getting on my feet, because I had nothing, I had no clothes, I had nothing. She, she and my grandfather helped me get on my feet. And during that period of time, she began to really witness to me. And she, right in, in her living room, I came to know the Lord. I knew the Lord, obviously, from a, a head knowledge, but I really had not known him from a heart knowledge because we never opened the Bible. We, at, in those days, you did not read the Bible. And so through scripture, she showed me how salvation is by faith and not by works. And that was a big aha for me. Mm -hmm. And so then, contrary to what Scott is going to say, I did not meet him until three <laughs> years later. But uh, I began going to her little Bible church in Harrington, Louisiana. And <clears throat> finally, after about a year, she came to me and she gave me a list of three churches. And this will lead into how we met. Um, and she said, you're going to meet no one single in my church. It's a little country church. But I, I, heard, I, I heard scripture. And um, so she gave me a list of churches. And she said, "These I'm asking you to go visit these, which was very difficult for her. So um, I think it was on the second one. It was a Presbyterian church in New Orleans that I really enjoyed. And lo and behold, I went to a Sunday school class. And in that Sunday school class, was this gentleman? <laughs> you want to pick that? You want to pick up? Yeah. Oh, I, you wanted to tell his. Well, I, I was brought up in a Christian home in Bakersfield, California. Um, we went to the big social church that was what everybody went to, but I got really involved in the youth group, and the youth pastor was evangelical, and we had a lot of um, student camps that we went to, and I actually received Christ at uh, at a youth camp during the summer and got very involved in the church, was very active, received Christ, and got on all kinds of committees and everything about the Bible and Bible studies. But then uh, I went away to college up in Oregon and uh, met this girl that I fell in lust with. And uh, I knew the Bible said, don't be unequally yoked. But I told God, don't worry, I got this, I'll convert her. And uh, <laughs> I found out that when the Bible says in Corinthians, don't be, don't be unequally yoked, it's a good reason. <laughs> and um, a couple of years later, she had several affairs and left. And mm -hmm. um, so during that time, I was in the military, in the army, and um, wound up um, being getting out in New Orleans and um, got my first job with Dale Carnegie in New Orleans, and when my first wife left, I was teaching classes of Dale Carnegie as well as selling them, and uh, when you're single, everybody wants to match make, and so uh, I had not been going to church during the time of my first marriage, and um, so when she left, I decided it was time to go back to church and just happened to pick the one uh, in the first press in uh, 
in Carol in, in Carol um, New Orleans. New Orleans, but it was the anyway. Um, so went to the church and everybody said, you got to meet this girl. And I had been dating other people, but um, they said, you got to meet this girl. And so they set it up so that we could meet right before the service at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And so I got in and they said, there she is. There's Terry down there in the pew, go meet her. So I walked <laughs> down the aisle, sat down next to her and said, hi, you must be Terry. And she said, yeah, you must be Scott. And I said, tell me, what qualities are you looking for in a husband? <laughs> oh, no. She said, I beg your pardon? And I said, well, I didn't know I was going to say that, but it just popped out. So, it was uh, the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So uh, I, I was not very good at uh, trying to, to find faith-based women, and I knew Terry was going to be one. So I said, well, what qualities are you looking for? And so she, she told me, and then she asked me, well, what was I looking for? And we started dating for the next six months or so. And became... Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. We didn't date. Oh. No. Because he was engaged to another girl. He, he oh, oh, God, you oh, left that out. He was engaged to another girl. His parents had set him up with his father's secretary in California. Make a long story short. And he was, and he, he was already engaged? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, he's, he's very quick at what he does. So anyway, to make a long story short, I said to him, I, he was trying to get me to go out with him. I said to him, I am not going out with you until I say that ring that you gave that other girl. So we went to Bible studies together, but we never dated. Yeah. And we became friends. We became really good friends. And then he started to tell me how this long um, distance relationship wasn't working for him. And I said, well, I'm sorry about that, but I still stand get by the what ring. I said. Get the ring. My dad did not raise his <laughs> girl. So anyway, one night he showed up at my doorstep and he had the ring. And so he told me, you know, uh, I broke it off. I realized it's not her that I was in love with. Da, 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 da. So then we started dating. And four months later, we were engaged. And six months later, we were married. She was dating three other guys at the time. And I told her, now I have I had some... lost time. You have to understand. <laughs> I had lost six years in the convent. I had to make up for You had to time. make up for that time, exactly. right? <laughs> so uh, so as the uh, as we can tell, uh, so Scott, you're not actually uh, from Louisiana. Uh, no. But, <laughs> what made you say that? But, but, uh, no, I was born and raised in Bakersfield, California. But Terry, uh, you are from Louisiana, right? Absolutely. Born and raised in New Orleans, yeah. the great New Orleans. Yeah. And, uh, and your favorite uh, football team is who? I have oh. two. Okay. The LSU Tigers and the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. yeah the, the Tigers, you know, <laughs> and those and, are the only yeah. two that exist for you, correct? Yeah, Tigers on Saturday and Saints on Sunday. Yeah, we watched the Tigers uh, many times together. Uh, they've been pretty pretty good. They had not, not a great year last year, but they're pretty good. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> So uh, now Terry is a nun. Uh, we actually um, had a conversation about, uh, we were talking about Salzburg and the sound of music and Maria. Um, and the, the movie portrays her as, eh, she's kind of a troublemaker. Uh, were you, what were you like uh, as, a, as a nun? You could say I was very similar to her. Um, <laughs> I had difficulty. I, I, I'll give you an example. Um, Mother Superior. I was. She was born. in training to be the Mother Superior. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. could. Uh, 
We could see Terry if she would have stayed there. We we all would be uh, uh, being, exactly. being guided and led by Mother Superior. That's that's yeah. we, can, we can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had trouble with um, Mother Superior. Thought I had trouble with what they used to call blind obedience. And so I, I I did something. I had to steal, not steal. I had to just use the car to take. A friend of mine who got pregnant <laughs> to the hospital. You're not tell no, me. I'm not telling that whole story. You never know who's going to get you. So, so I went and used the car and came back the next morning and I got in a lot of trouble. And so my punishment was I had to go three times a day and water a stick because I didn't do well with obedience. And the, the real rule I had a hard time with, and you'll understand this, is after eight o'clock every night, we had grand silence. I can't even imagine you being able I, to do I, that. I, I didn't do well. And so Mother Superior moved me to my room across from her room. Because she, we used to put saran wrap under toilet seats, you know, and, and yeah. we did all kinds of things. Yeah. We climbed out of the window and the police came. And so there's just a lot. So I was what Mother Superior called the thorn in her side. <laughs> And, uh, and you decided, uh, again, as you were, uh, wasn't there something about they were trying to give you a different name or something? And I oh. remember a name story, too. You have to share that one. That's a good one. Well, after the first year of being a postulant, you, um, you go into the, what they call the novitiate. And so in that second year, you get a name change. And so... <laughs> They don't tell you ahead of time what it is. They let you make a couple of suggestions, but you don't know what you get. And so um, the day of not just the name change, but you get the whole habit uh, comes and the bishop comes and there were 30 of us and we lined up across the altar and the bishop went to each person and you know laid his hands over them and, and named them their new name. Well, I just happened to be right in the center of the thing where the microphone was. <laughs> and so I didn't realize that. And so the bishop is going down. And these girls are my friends. I've been with them for a year. And they're, you know, Sister Mary Theophilus. And, you know, I mean, just names. like. And I'm thinking, oh, I know they're going to give me a bad one. I know. So She's saying this out and, loud. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I, really, I'm saying it under my breath, but I don't know. The mic's picking right. me up. <laughs> my parents are behind just dying because the mic's picking this up and like my friend my, my poor friend got a really bad bad name and so I went <gasps> and and the mic is picking that up so they come to me and I'm just dying I'm sweating and the bishop who now knows uh, it's picking me up he goes and and your new name from here on out will be Sister Mary Joanne after Joan of Arc and I'm thinking oh yeah she was old fighter but at least I got a good name and I, I literally sighed into the mic I mean it was just well it, it was so that everybody's laughing now and so now we've got 15 more people to go with names that just you know and everybody was sister Mary something <laughs> so you, you could have a really long name but I was fortunate that they named me after Joan of Arc yeah. yeah, appropriately. Appropriate, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yeah, and there's, uh, if we had the time, 
if we had the time, which we don't. You don't have the time. Uh, <laughs> we have all we could, the time you want. We could right? just say, uh, Scott, Kathy, and I could just say, uh, Terry, tell, tell us about uh, being a nun. And uh, we, we, for the next stories. four hours, uh, you would just split laughing uh, at, uh, you know, uh, Maria. Yeah. Uh, 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 you know, causing trouble in the Abbey, you know, and uh, that that would be Terry. Uh, yeah. So um, you get married. Um, Scott wised up. Uh, that was great. Um, and, and then now you're you're started and you said you're in Carne uh, Dale Carnegie, right, uh, Scott? Yes. Yeah. OK, walk us walk us through there. Um, what happened as you progressed in your career and then how did you wind up in uh, D12? Okay. Um, well, as I said, uh, <clears throat> I, I got out of the military uh, during the Vietnam War, and I was in it for three years and served with the Joint Chiefs of Staff and then got out, was in New Orleans. And when you get out of the military, I was a private and wasn't making a lot of money. I put myself through college selling. So when we got to New Orleans, my first wife wanted to get her master's degree in, at Tulane. And I went looking for a job. So I saw a newspaper ad for Dale Carnegie for a salesman. And uh, I had gotten my MBA and realized that uh, at least in New Orleans, it's not what you know, but who you know. And yeah. we didn't know anybody. So mm. I answered the ad and uh, talked to the guy and who owned the franchise in New Orleans. And he said, we're going to have a training program in six months. And I said, well, this was Friday. I got to start Monday. And he said, well, it's straight commission. You eat what you kill. Are you okay with that? I said, I'll see you Monday. So I showed up and um, <clears throat> went to work selling Dale Carnegie a straight commission and was very fortunate. And uh, the guy, Billy Bond, said, if you get an appointment, he gave me a stack of cold cards. And he said, uh, try to get an appointment. I said, well, what happens when I do? And he said, well, if you do, uh, call me and I'll go with you. And so... I got on the phone and started calling and was fortunate enough. God blessed me. And I got an appointment, grabbed him and said, let's go. He said, you got an appointment? I said, yeah. So we went, he sold the guy uh, who joined the Dale Carnegie class. And he said, um, that's your training. You're on your own from now on. <laughs> wow. And, uh, <clears throat> so uh, again, I was very blessed and wound up being one of the top three salesmen in the world for the next seven years in Dale Carnegie. Wow. And uh, during that time, we met Terry, and she came to work with me in the Carnegie business in New Orleans. And uh, after 11 years there, we were offered the franchise in Tampa. Okay, now and, when, when, uh, you, when you say she be, she joined you, what, what does that mean? You joined him in that business? Well, when we got married, I was the uh, um, director of the American Heart Association in Louisiana. And so um, I got pregnant like five months after we got married and we both wanted me to kind of stay home as much as I could. So I, I quit my job at the heart association and started doing a lot of his admin work. Mm -hmm. And then I got uh, so interested in what we were doing and I had an education background. So I decided that together, we decided that I would should try to be an instructor. And so I became instructor i was one of the first women instructors ever for carnegie oh that, cool. that's fascinating that yeah oh. it was like breaking the glass ceiling you know kind of thing um and so i then ran the instructional department of 40 instructors we had and trained them and then 
I also oversaw the front office. Okay. But it allowed me the ability to work during the school hours, oh, which neat. I was very grateful for. That's okay. excellent. And then, so, and then, how did you get from New Orleans to Tampa? We, uh, when you, there's a bunch of criteria that Dale Carnegie establishes that if you meet that criteria, then you will, you'll get a chance to be offered a franchise someplace in the country. Okay. And we lived in New Orleans and Terry just assumed that <laughs> any place that we would be offered would be North where they had seasons. And so <laughs> I'm out selling in the president of Dale Carnegie. I get a phone call saying that the president of Dale Carnegie wants to call me to tell me that he's going to offer me a franchise. And so he does. Um, and Terry, I'm out working. And so Terry says, be sure to call me when you find out where we're going to be going. And uh, <clears throat> so I get on the phone with, Dale, with the president of Dale Carnegie, Ollie Crom, and he says, um, I'm going to offer you the franchise uh, in, in Tampa, Florida. Now we're in New Orleans. And he said, it is the most sought after franchise in the country because everybody up north wants to come down and work in Tampa, Florida and retire and only work part-time. And he said, Scott, we don't need somebody that's going to work part-time. We need somebody that's going to work hard. So you're going to be on probation for three years. Don't screw it up. <laughs> and, uh, so I said, okay, um, can you give me 24 hours to let you know? And because uh, I knew I had to call Terry. So I called Terry and she said, where are we going? And I said, Tampa, Florida, Tampa. And she said, Tampa, Tampa, Florida. I said, well, yeah. She said, well, that's South. I said, yeah. She said, they don't have any mountains. Well, they have overpasses. <laughs> Will you come with me? Oh, and it was like pulling her oh. out of her love affair yeah and to this day when you ask her where is she from we've lived here 35 years now <laughs> when you ask terry where's she from yeah she'll say nolens nolens yeah no i said terry, <laughs> how long do we have to live here before we're from tampa never <laughs> we're never gonna be so we came here in 82 and uh the guy that was here retired and we took over the franchise and the guy had several people working for him who thought that they were going to get the franchise and when they didn't they quit so the good news is um we got to pick our own team the bad news is there was nobody here um, <laughs> wow and remember the president has said you got three years to succeed or you're out you're on probation mm. so we worked really hard with new with young kids and God blessed it and the business took off and we did really well for a number of years. Um, but then like yeah. everybody, go ahead. There's a God story there if you'd like to hear Yeah, I would love to, yeah. yeah. Um, we're trying, we have to sell our house in New Orleans and this was mm -hmm. 1982. And the market was really bad. There right. were 40 houses on the market yep. at the time in, in our, our subdivision. And so we, we had to leave one day and they showed the house, showed the house. We had to leave to go meet the, the guy we were buying the franchise from. Here in, in Right in before, and this is the God part of it. Right before I have to, we have to get on the plane, I showed the house to a couple. They, they didn't seem that interested. So, you know, it was just another showing. So the two of us get on the plane 
Oh, no, in the airport, this guy walks up to me and he says, didn't I just see your house? And I said, yes. And he said, I just put an offering on your house. <laughs> oh, that's great. He said, can we talk on the plane? So he and Scott on the plane, <laughs> go to the back of the plane and make a deal on the house. Oh, my God. So that's he landed excellent. At Tampa, and I really believe it was God having to show me yep. because I didn't want to go. Right. This is where I really want you. Yep. We got oh, off the plane. Sweet. The guy needed the house before we were supposed to take the territory. We get off the plane. The president of Dale Carnegie is standing there with the guy we're going to buy the franchise from. We didn't know he was going to be there. Yeah. So we get off the plane and Scott tells him the predicament and the president of Pawnee says, oh, that's no problem. We can just sell you the territory early. Boom. The whole deal's done. <laughs> oh, wow. Fast. And so that was God really letting both of us. But I really believe for me, because I really didn't want to go, that mm -hmm. this is where he wanted us. Yeah, beautiful. And then from there, Scott, how did you uh, wind up with C12? We, uh, we had a guy working for us that was our general manager that we were doing really well with. And he was asked by Dale Carnegie to write a new course. He had a, a doctorate in instructional design. And so they asked me if they could use him to write a new course. And he said, yes. They asked me if it was okay with me. And I said, yeah. So basically he wrote a new course and when he finished it, then they came back to him and said that they want him to be able to be the teacher of it uh, because they had sold it to a company internationally. And so they said, we want Barry to come to work with us. And I said, well, you can't have him. He's my employee. And they said, well, you can't stop us. And they made him an offer that, that he didn't refuse. So he left us and we were doing a million dollars a year in sales. And when Barry left, we lost 250000 uh, in wow. revenue and we were not making a 25% uh, you know, profit. Yep. And so we were really struggling and Terry looked at me and said, you better do something or we're going down. <laughs> and, and I said, well, I, I, I agree, but I don't know. I had been involved in, in several CEO. Well, I was involved in an accountability group and a Bible study. And I was asking guys in those groups, what do you do when you can't meet payroll on Friday? And what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And what I found was, is that they all basically were employees and didn't really understand the pressures of running a business. And um, I knew of a group called Tech, the executive yep. committee, yep. now called Vistage. And uh, I knew the guy that ran that here. So I called him and said, listen, I need help. Can I join Tech and be a part of the group so I can learn how to overcome all these problems? And he said, well, how big are you? And I told him and he said, well, you're not big enough. So basically, I had heard about this thing called C12, and, um, and the guy that ran it called, was called Buck Jacobs. We actually went to the same church, but had not run into each other because ah. it was a 3,000-person church. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I called him, and I said, I understand you run this CEO roundtable um, like tech. And he said, yes, except that it's faith-based. And, and I said, well, that's great. Come tell me about it. And so he did, and I said, that sounds great. I'd like to join. And I went to Terry and I said, you know, we can't afford it. We don't have any money. And she said, God will provide. If you don't get in, we're going down. So go ahead and join. <laughs> and so I did. 
And she said, the only thing you need to make sure of is one, what they tell you, you implement, you do, do what they tell you. And um, so I got in the group and told them the situations and what we were facing. And I got tremendous godly counsel from the mm. people in the group. And I started using it and God turned the company around and saved it. And um, so about a year later, I had asked Dave Dunkel to be a part of the group and yep. he joined. We're going to have and, Dave, uh, Dave and Melissa on next week. Oh, <laughs> so uh, you'll enjoy that. Yeah. So <laughs> he, um, and so anyway, I, uh, Dave, um, Buck asked me if I would actually consider um, replacing him in one of the meetings to, uh, to pitch hit, he had an obligation. And so I, uh, I basically did the group for him one month and everybody gave him a thumbs up and said that I did a really good job. And so he came to Terry and I and asked if we would pray about selling the Carnegie franchise and doing C12 instead. Mm. He asked five people before us if they could try to do C12. He wasn't sure if the process was replicable. And so he was looking for somebody to try to do that. And um, bottom line is, is that when he asked us, we prayed about it and said, okay. And um, we had two kids in college and hardly any money, but trusted God. And that's a whole nother God story as well. Because when he asked me, we finally said yes. And I started working on it in August of 97 yeah. and talking to everybody I knew about C12 and trying to get them to join. And at the same time, we were running the Dale Carnegie business, trying to, to make sure we could still make a living. Yep. And for the next five months, we we didn't sell a thing in Carnegie. I couldn't give it away. And I couldn't convince a single person to join C12. And so I did a presentation to my, my C12 group uh, at the end of the year and told them the problem. And basically, I said, you know, guys... I'm trying to do Dale Carnegie and, you know, keep the business going. We were $68,000 in debt on our credit line um, mm -hmm. and kids in college and or school. And I said, I can't, I can't sell anybody C12. And they said, well, stupid, you're violating scripture. <laughs> and I said, well, there's a bunch of them. Could you be more specific? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you violate a lot of them. Which ones am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> so Dave Dunkel looks at me and says, Scott, you're violating in Matthew where Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You've got to pick one or the other. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And I, they said, where's your heart? I said, C12. Where's Terry's heart? I said, C12. Prove it. Resign from Dale Carnegie and go full time into, into C12. Yeah. And um, we made that decision went to a board meeting of Carnegie in December of 97 and introduced them, said I was going to resign and introduced them to our sales manager who was going to buy the franchise from us. And effective January 1st of 98, we started C12 yeah. um, and was very blessed and got two groups up and going within the first three, four months. And that showed Buck that somebody else could do it besides him and that he needed to start working on finding other people and training other people to become chairman as well. And um, so he sold me the group that he, that I had been a part of here. And so I had three groups and a couple of key players groups and he moved to Georgia and started building the franchise. And we took off and were very successful and blessed in the, in the Carnegie fran or the Dale Carnegie, uh, the C12 franchise. Yeah. Um, for the last 25 years. Yep. And you uh, at the peak, um, as I know you've now sold it, sold part of it to somebody else. Um, 
what would what was the maximum number of groups that you had that you were you had built it up to? I had at one point I had four C12 groups of owners with 55 owners yeah. and two key players groups um, that were about um, 25 people as well. So yeah. I was doing six meetings a month all day and I had 55 wow. people to see every month in one-on-ones. Yep. Yep. And then I know Terry, you were, uh, I guess, similar to, what, uh, similar to what you did with um, Dale Carnegie. You actually were assisting Scott with all the, all the back room stuff, right? So did you exactly. keep him organized? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I knew that if I kept him out in the field, that was his greatest strength. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, administrative thing is not especially my gifting, but it was where we really needed the help in the business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when we took on two more chairs, so we were running 12 groups. Yeah. And so, if you know, it just fell into place that I did the finances and organized mm -hmm. everything. And I was the power behind the throne yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, just to... Uh, uh, we've had Mike Shero on, uh, talked about C12, uh, that really uh, Scott, uh, you know, along with Jake, but, but uh, uh, with um, Buck, was um, you really were the one that proved it out. Um, um, and, yeah. then, and then you grew it and helped it, you know, took it from Scott, who proved it out, to now there's uh, 3,000 members and 130 uh uh, chairs all over the world doing it because really of your faithfulness uh, mm -hmm. of you just saying yes uh, I, I'm, will, I'm willing to do it in faith which we've talked about faith um, and then um, throughout the years in addition to your groups you also uh, were a trainer right you you actually trained other other new chairs yes I yes during that time they um, Buck was a trainer, and then he asked if I would help um, take over the training of new chairs. And so he would bring the candidate chair candidates to Tampa who would visit a meeting, and I would train them during the week. And during that week, they would actually come to the meeting as well. Yep. I actually trained Mike Sherrill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Along with a number of the other chairs in the beginning, and then they asked another guy to help because they were bringing in people faster than what we we, I could do it alone. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I wound up becoming the national trainer um, as well as the largest franchise in C12 for about 17 years. Yeah. And he, and the, uh, he talked about uh, Dave was in, Dave Dunkel was in his group. I had been discipling Dave and teaching him abiding and he's been, you know, doing retreats. We've been, been doing retreats at Dave's place up in New Hampshire. Um, so share about how you, wound up at, at a retreat and then what happened to you is you learned this other uh, uh, aspect of your walk with God in the uh, abiding. Well, Dave had been in asking us, you know, <clears throat> he met you and, and, you know, really experienced the abiding process. Um, so he would come to me, he would ask us when he came to our C12 group, he would ask several of us, and particularly Terry and I, if we were interested in coming to this abiding retreat, but he didn't call it abiding, he called it a marriage retreat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he said, would I be interested in going to a marriage retreat? And I came home and told Terry, hey, you want to go to a marriage retreat? 
well, at the time we'd been married 30 some odd years. And she said, no, we have a good marriage. <laughs> um, and that happened for a couple of years. And then mm -hmm. um, Dave and another guy, Jake Beckel, yep. went on one of your European uh -huh. trips. Yep. Yep. And Israel. Is there, and Jake came back and said to the group, for the first time in my life, I've met somebody that truly walks with God and hears mm. the Holy Spirit and can tell you um, what you need to do. He truly hears from God and can know your will, his will. And, uh, and Dave said, it's that abiding retreat. So he said, you want to come? And I went home to Terry and I said, this is not a marriage retreat. It's about learning how to hear from God. Yeah. Oh, will, you, awesome. will you come? <laughs> and he said reluctantly, okay. Well, at the time we were going through, we were trying to sell our franchise to another guy. And so we were going through the process of trying to figure out what that looked like. And we came to the re a body retreat. And it, back then it started on a Friday night. I, I think it was Friday. Either when would this have been? What any idea what year this was? I'm just curious on the timeline. Eight or nine eight, years eight ago. Nine years eight, ago. Okay. eight, nine years ago. Yep. Okay. And so we get into the middle of it. And after the first night, the next morning, Saturday morning, Terry and I are going through it. And she looks at me, she said, We got to do this. We need I love it. it. I we want to teach it. And uh, and so we asked for a chance to sit down with with you and Linda that afternoon. Yeah, that's right. And basically, we walked through the issue of should we sell the franchise to this other guy? And by prayer and the abiding process, by the end of the by the end of the retreat, we knew that it, he wasn't the guy. Right. That's right. Um, which turned out to be the perfect godly answer. Yep. But in the meantime, we begged you to let us teach this yep. because I saw several of our members here in, in Tampa who desperately needed to learn how to hear mm. from God. Right. And so that was in October. You, uh, you said, well, you better get some training. So we came to another one in yep. February that you did here yep. um, at Jake Beckel's place. And you said, okay, if you can get through that and learn how to do it, then you can teach it. So we booked our first retreat with several of our members. Uh, we went through the second training or the, the, the second seminar the weekend in February. We had one booked for March. Yeah. And that's awesome. We begged you to teach us how to teach it. And you did. <laughs> and so for the next several years, we did, we did an abiding retreat every month for the next several years. Yep. No, and how did that, um, I, I know the answer to this, but I kind of want to hear you flesh it out. How did that impact you, the members in your group and the dynamics of your C12 group, which was already, you know, from what you described, already a beautiful place of accountability and coming to community and encouraging one another to seek God's best for your businesses. But as you started to bring abiding into that, how did that change the dynamic? For those that went it became kind of the mantra of everybody in the group. When, when they would bring up an issue, um, everybody would kind of look at myself or Dave Dunkel, who's in the group and say, yeah, we know the answer is abiding. Um, <laughs> but it, what it really showed the couples how to do is what we know. And that is you can have, you can have Bible knowledge. You can, you know, you can have a quiet time but that doesn't necessarily mean you know how to hear from the Holy Spirit. Right. And mm -hmm. what most of, our, most of our couples were experiencing in C12 is particularly the guys, their idol was the business. Yeah. 
and mm. the business came first. Yeah. And if they were honest, they would admit it. And we would talk to them about making time for their families, but they didn't do it. Well, mm. when they would get into an abiding retreat with their spouse, it impacted their marriages tremendously. Right. And they began to realize that they had to make time individually to, do, to spend time with God, but then share with one another the issues and what God was telling them. Mm -hmm. And as we went through the abiding retreat, I would keep giving them examples of, <clears throat> as you can tell, I'm a quiet, shy, introverted type person. <laughs> and so we would give them examples when we were teaching the retreat of how we would go to God with an issue. Mm -hmm. And I would hear one thing and Terry would hear another. And um, we, knew, we knew from the abiding experience that you had to get on the same page in unity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I would, <laughs> we would sit and talk and it would be obvious that, you know, I heard one thing from God and she heard another on whether to hire a guy, for example. Oh yeah. And mm -hmm. I was convinced this was God's answer to help us grow the territory and sell it. And Terry was, as she put it, I have a hitch in my spirit. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And which is what you've taught us. Yeah. And I said, well, don't worry about it. And I would go back in my quiet time and say, okay, God, I know I'm right. Give me more scriptures <laughs> to prove you're wrong. That's true. And that's, that's true. And that's what I would do. Well, it didn't work. And she would simply <laughs> say, sicking God, telling <laughs> showing the right hand. Well, I finally learned that the whole key to it is going to God in neutral to yes, neutral. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. if I could honestly say, I'm okay, whether we hire this guy or not, mm -hmm. then I'm in neutral. And when I right. finally got there um, and went to neutral, then I would tell Terry and we would both then agree that you know, we had to be in neutral and that this guy was not the right guy. God would show us. Um, and it would, it just, he did that every time we had an issue. So we would teach that to our members who were having the same kind of marital mm -hmm. issues because again, the business was their idol. And so we began to see our members' personal lives really change in their spiritual walk. And most of them were not having a daily quiet time when they joined C12. And now I can say, well, almost a hundred percent of them do. Yeah. They have mm -hmm. learned the importance oh, of spending time with God. Yeah. Yeah. And as you, uh, described it uh talk a little bit further uh particularly terry you uh you know you use the hitch in my spirit a check in my spirit mm -hmm. what does that uh help us understand what does that look like feel like to you and how does that what do you do with that um when you when e either one of you experiences that um for me I would say it as I'm praying about it and asking and really seeking wisdom and clarity on an issue. One of the things that that really, really Scott and I use a lot, and I don't know if you've talked about it in your podcast, is the ask, seek, and not process. Yeah, Luke, I mean, Luke 11. We are we are advocates of that process, and so when we are going to God with an issue, we start with ask, seek, and knock. We, we, we come to an agreement on the ask. What is the question? And sometimes that's the hardest thing to put down. What is the question? Yeah, right. And then that's good. in our seeking, and so in my seeking process, as I would seek the Lord 
you know, and his truthfulness, I would have a lack of peace. If when yeah. I had a lack of peace, that was the hitch in my spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the Holy Spirit going, uh-uh, there's something around the corner you don't see. Yep. And so I would go to Scott and in the past, before we learned to really abide together, our answer to each other was always, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> we, we, we never have been big fighters or arguers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, we, we would just say we have to agree to disagree. Well, that's no longer acceptable. That's acceptable. not on the table. Right. right. And that was tough to learn, you know, but the, the, the actual piece that you get when you know you come together in unity and it's the right decision is just worth it all but that Mm -hmm. itch feels for me it is a true lack of peace there is a stirring is the best way i can yeah yeah a stirring Mm -hmm. of something's not right yeah and then um uh as you uh uh, we've seen it with you is that when that occurs immediately you basically do what okay now you're lack you're lacking peace you have a stirring that's a beautiful way of putting it Mm-hmm. What do you do next? I go to Scott. That's my next because, and I'll say, I don't have peace about this. And yeah. he knows after these all these years of abiding together, <laughs> she doesn't have a lack of peace. I need to listen to this. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a great thing for a wife to hear from her husband. I need to listen to you on this yeah. because mm-hmm. we learned. The Holy Spirit, and I wish we'd have learned it before we went our 60s. The Holy Spirit in him <laughs> is the same Holy Spirit that it's in me. Right. And he's not going to tell us two different things. Yeah. Right. And when you both listen, uh, willingness to listen, what do you know? Uh, now that, you know, you, you haven't yet got there, but what do you know? Go ahead. Basically, we know that God has the perfect answer for us and that we need to process mm-hmm his word and cross-reference the scriptures that he gives each of us, usually different ones. Yes. And when we come together, when we, when we get the same answer, it'll be through different scriptures, but because we're in unity on that answer through the opening of the door of that issue, um, then we can look at one another and say, okay, we've got God's answer. Now let's go. Yes. And the, mm-hmm. You know what I have found? The longer we've done this, and it's been nine years now that I think back and, you know, with certain markers in my life, it's been nine mm-hmm. years. It gets easier. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, now, you know, we long-term marriage, you know, the whole thing, but even so, we, we didn't always agree on everything, mm-hmm. but it gets easier to go through the process when we're seeking God right. and we have come to respect when the other doesn't have a piece about right. what, it, you and know. why, so share with us, why is it that that gets easier? You know, that now that agreeing to disagree is off the table because of something God has shown you how, why is it that it's gotten easier over time? Well, I think we've, we've learned how to do it. Mm-hmm. We know each other really well, you know, after 46 years, you can almost say the other sentence, but uh, the, the longer you go to God, the, the more intimate you get in that relationship with God, the easier it is for you to hear him. Yeah. Yes. And that's what's happened for me. Yeah. Uh, I know what's happened for him too, but I can only right. for me, it just becomes part of your nature. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Because you, because again, you trust, uh, and you, and you, you know, God is persuading you. <laughs> my will is best and none better. Uh, right. why, why would you not, you know, and, why and settle for anything uh, less? Yeah. And so, and that's, and that becomes easier because you really believe that, you know, really understand it. And I uh, think, I think too, that it becomes a little easier to put your will aside. Yes. In the beginning, you, I was fighting my will, what yeah. I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I failed enough at that to know, you know, Terry, this isn't a, your will. This isn't, let's go to God. He's got better. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So as, that we, as we are uh, nearing the end of our time, um, Kathy and I have been talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, maybe you, uh, I remember one example when you actually were, <laughs> were at a retreat in, uh, in Europe. Um, and the Holy Spirit just <laughs> overwhelmed you and did all this stuff to accomplish something, you know, share how the, how the Holy Spirit acted, uh, in you and through you and, and, and all the circumstances changed because of what he did. Um, uh, how did the Holy Spirit, uh, work through you through that decision? Well, the, the funny part is we had come to this retreat in unity about, uh, we had lost our grandson, our youngest grandson had been killed. And we, we really weren't thinking about selling our house. Right. We've been in that house 25 plus years. That's right. So we get to the retreat and uh, Rich and Dave, our good friends, are, are discerning that we need to sell our house. And so Scott and I are in unity. We're in unity about the wrong thing. That was the bad thing. <laughs> we were in unity that we shouldn't sell our house because we really needed to minister to our son's family. And there were three other kids involved, and it, it was tragic. So, so I decided that okay, I, I needed to hear from God. And they will get they were going to go visit a castle. So I said to Rich, really, could I just sit outside on the lawn of yeah, the castle? I'm in Europe at this castle. Yeah, I still remember but, that. I still picture that. Yeah, and there was a bench. Yeah, that's there. right. That's right. So I said to God, we're in the middle of nowhere. I said, listen, if you want this to happen, here's what I want. I need Wi-Fi because I, I don't know how this is, you know, I'm not going to pick up any um, Wi-Fi out here. I need Wi-Fi. I need a Christian realtor. I, and I, I had all these things that I had said to God, I need to have. So they all go in the castle. I go sit on the bench. I opened a laptop. I have Wi-Fi. So I start, I put in Christian realtor in Tampa. <laughs> This realtor comes up and she's got a, a script to quote as, as the beginning of her website. So I say, okay, okay, you know. So then, then I decided, well, okay, I'm going to try to call her. I call her. The call goes she didn't, through. You didn't have any cell coverage until then. Until then. I had no cell coverage till I was sitting out in that courtyard. So anyway, to make a long story short, I get through the Christian realtor. All the things met. So she says to me, I need the plans for your house. I haven't looked at the plans of my house in 25 years. <laughs> so I said, it could, it, they can only be in these file cabinets at my house. And she said, well, how am I to get in your house? I'm in Europe. I said, well, my cleaning lady is there today. Maybe she could let you in. She goes to my house. I call my cleaning lady. I tell her to let her in. All, all this is happening in this audio. <laughs> she, five minutes later, they found the plans for the house. I mean, really? 
So the house was put on the market and it sold in four days for the asking price. Oh my goodness. Okay, now wait a second. Wait a second. So I skipped a big part. When you say uh, put on the market, you're you're doing that from Europe. You put it on the market. You hadn't even gone home and done anything (laughs) from Europe. So the retreat's over. This is the this was to me the most amazing part. That that met all my my desires in on that courtyard. It's over. It's our 40th, 50th, 40th wedding anniversary. We go, we get on a ship. Yeah. We get on a cruise ship. We're going to St. Petersburg, Russia, up and down the Baltic. We have no cell service on the ship. We're in the middle of the Baltic Ocean. My phone rings. We have no cell service. And it's the real to say, and they sold the house. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it, it was. And they had to send the documents on DocuSign, which we weren't supposed to be able to get. It and was, we did. Yeah. And we got home and had two, two weeks or 30 two days, weeks, two, weeks, two, two weeks, weeks to move. And we didn't know when we left that we were going to sell the house. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, we didn't know what's going to go on the market. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And the um, and uh, even more of the story. Uh, as you're describing the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking is that, um, you know, not only did he sell it, but he led you to the next new house yeah. uh, in time for you to, you know, get through that so that um, he works, you know, he works all sides of the deal. And, uh, yeah. you know, and we're, uh, we're, we've run out of time, unfortunately, to keep going with this. We'll have you back. Uh, and, that would be great. Uh, and you can have some so more fun to hear your stories, more, more of the <laughs> stories, but um as, we got a lot of them. as Terry, as Terry and, and Scott are trying to help us all understand is uh, it's a, uh, and maybe you could even uh, help finish with this is um, your relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, you know, is it a arduous, difficult, systematic thing? You know, uh, why, why are you, why are you guys having so much fun with it? Because <clears throat> it's a better way you know we have learned like we said like terry said before we've learned to try to do it on our own and impose our will and try to find try to make things happen because it's what we want and what we're learning is that through the holy spirit's guidance that when we can discern what he wants us to do it's so much easier and faster and although there may be obstacles in the way the end result is always better. Mm-hmm. And as we have learned from you in scripture, it's all about walking in peace, love, joy, and righteousness. Yeah. And when when you're listening to the Holy Spirit and abiding, you truly can live a life of peace, joy, righteousness, and love. No matter yeah. what's going on around you. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I think that for, for yeah. us, that is the key, is yeah. living in that peace and, and joy. Yeah, and it yeah. couldn't be... <laughs> there's no other way to summarize better than that. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, thank you so much for, uh, sharing your life and, and your, uh, the approach and what, what happens with you. And I know it's been very helpful to our audience. So, um, if you have, as an audience, you have, uh, questions, you know, you can put it on the YouTube comment section, or you can email us at questions at afjministry.com questions at afjministry.com. You might have something specific for Scott and Terry, and we'd love mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, get it to to them, and they'll help answer them, and uh, and we'll have them have them back, uh, and uh, explain a few more uh, stories about uh, 
Maria being in uh, the, the convent. <laughs> so we're uh, we're just so uh, grateful to you guys. We love you guys, and uh, your enthusiasm is is yeah. a, a joy to behold. And uh, yeah, we just you. pray that you continue that. And and I know you got more to share, so. Uh, we're right. excited and about thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Just thank you so much for joining us. I think it's so important for people to get one of our favorite things with guest days is that people get a chance to see God exalted in other people's lives and just Absolutely. allow God to show off. And you guys yeah. do a beautiful job of just showing God off, yes. you know, for yeah. who yeah. he is, exactly. because he, um, and I love even just the unique ways that he he knew he knows how Terry's wired. He knows how Scott's wired and he knows how to, to speak to them in the midst of that. That's and right. it's so good for people to see that he is unique. He is creative. Yeah. Um, yet he is God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys just showed that beautifully. So thank so you. Have, thank you for taking the time. And uh, you guys have a great uh, uh, night and weekend. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Take care, it. guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.